Hey, hi, hello, my creepy lovelies, and welcome back to another episode here at the Creepy Cryptid Crypt. I am your host, Black Widow, and today we have the start of the second episode of our Freeway Serial Killers. Today I'm going to start telling you about William Bonin, aka the Freeway Killer, also known as the Freeway Strangler. Um, he operated mostly on and off the I-45, and this guy has a fuck ton of information out on him. So buckle up, we're probably gonna, I say we, it's just me. I'm likely going to have to do this in a couple of parts. Bear with me. Um, what else? There's something else I needed to tell everyone. What was I supposed to remember? Oh, trigger warnings. Yeah, that's important. Um, this guy was a sadistic fuck and there's a lot of really gruesome, icky things that he did to his victims. So, uh, you have been warned. If it gets to be too much, you know the deal, just turn me off. It's totally fine, not offended. <sighs> okay. Sorry. <clears throat> William George Bonin was born in Connecticut on January 8th in 1947. He was the middle child out of three sons. And they were three years apart each. Born to parents Robert and Alice, who reportedly were both alcoholics. Uh, his dad worked as a machinist and was a World War II veteran, but he had a gambling problem and was reportedly also physically abusive towards his wife, sometimes his sons. Alice, Mother Alice, is reported to have been very overbearing, uh, codependent and passive, and she suffered from mood swings and spent a lot of her free time at a bingo parlor, so her children were often unattended. Lovely. Just lovely. Uh, after some time, Bonin's parents would argue about finances, so his mom got a job at a local mill. Sorry, some of these are also text-to-speak notes, and my phone doesn't understand me very clearly. Uh, you know, which is weird because technology, but whatever. Mm, so she went, got a job at a local mill to help with the uh, gambling addiction of Pop Bonin. Sorry. Um, in January of 1950... Bonin's dad gambled way too much, and they lost their family home, which led to them living at uh, the grandmother's house on his mother's side. Unfortunately, dad did not learn his lesson for gambling addiction and continued to gamble and drink away all of their money. So mom was working all the time, and dad was working all the time when he wasn't gambling and drinking, and so um, the kids were, like, barely attended to. The family was raised Catholic, and so all of the sons attended St. Mary's Catholic School, and Bonin often got in trouble for his aggressive behavior towards the students. Um, you know, he was absent from class a lot, not paying attention, and I guess there was uh, one incident where he, like, rode his bike into a group of girls. Um, and for some, some reason, like, that particular offense popped him in juvie. Uh, and maybe there's more to that incident, not entirely sure. Um... After he got back from juvie, you know, he was, you know, 
what in the actual fuck? After he got back from juvie, you know, he was also, you know, less likely to interact with people, more withdrawn, um, just the whole thing. Mm-mm-mm. His older brother also got in trouble a whole lot. And as a result, mom moved both of them, older and middle, child upon him, to the Franco-American school on September 6th in 1953 in an effort to keep her kids safe from domestic violence that was happening at home. Which may have been part of it, yes. Um, so the school was actually like a Catholic covenant. 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 That was known to severely discipline kids um, for both major and minor breaches of conduct. <clears throat> and these punishments included harsh beatings, being put in stress positions, repeatedly being told to pay staircases until they were exhausted, sometimes drowning them in sinks. Uh, throwing ice water at them, and in more severe cases, children reported having their head dunked in toilets and being threatened um, by the older children. They were also left with unattended hematomas a lot on their heads and their butts from the beatings from the nuns. Um, Bonin, although typically troublesome, was observed at this point in time to be relatively stable and functional while living at this home. Um, but that's one report. Everything I'm about to read contradicts what I just said, so bear with me. There's another report that says, um, <clears throat> he remembered being physically assaulted and bullied by other kids at the orphanage, uh, except at one point he was defended by a 13-year-old boy in 1955, which then resulted in the 15-year-old boy taking him to the restroom where <clears throat> Bonin agreed to the sexual advances under the condition <clears throat> of the older boys. Um, basically, it was consensual. It became not consensual. Um, Bonin vowed that the assault would never happen again, and later, in some cases, would claim that this abuse never happened. Um, so on one end, he was like this, I remember this distinctly. On the other end, he was like this, never fucking happened. I don't know what you guys are talking about. Um, in true parent of the year fashion, Bonin's parents never visited either of them, him or his brother, at the Covenant, and at one point he became so worried that he thought his parents had died. Um, the brothers were also not allowed to interact with each other at the home, so they were pretty isolated from the family. Mm -mm -mm. So when he left the Covenant in 1955 and went back to go live with his parents and went back to school, things were tense. Uh, going back to school, he still had issues with behaving, uh, was absent a lot, a very aggressive, didn't have a lot of friends, and was still being bullied. Excuse me. Uh, I found some reports that stated he was ashamed of his sexual attraction to younger males and his male teachers, so he continued to isolate himself. Uh, neighbors reported that all of the Bonin children were, you know, unruly, hungry, dirty, and sometimes the neighbors would provide food and clean clothes to help. It's amazing how that, you know, that still happens to this day. It's fucking horrendous. Like, mm, sorry. Um, hello? Oh, I can get back to that later. Okay. Oh, that's right. This one's, okay. Um, all right. So it's 1955, right? 
they're out of the covenant, back at home. And sometimes between 1955 and 1957, the brothers were frequently placed in the care of their maternal grandfather, who was a child molester and had sexually assaulted Bonin's own mother until she was an adult. Um, there is heavy suspicion that he also molested his grandsons. Uh, so there's that. Um, their older brother, Robert, there being Bonin and his younger brother, um, would watch them, but uh, would watch them. This, this whole thing is just a vicious fucking cycle. I'm not trying to excuse Bonin's behavior, but like you did. Because I can't excuse it because there are people who go through this and they. Don't murder people. But you you can see the trigger for all of these events started at a very early age, you know, and his brain is still being formulated and he may have had brain injuries from being at the covenant. So <clears throat> just a little nugget of info there. Uh, uh, older brother Robert, right. So because he was the eldest, he received a majority of the beatings for defending their mom. And in turn, he would turn that all around on his little brothers um, and belittle his, you know, little siblings. Um, so, yeah. So as Bonin, you know, became a teenager, he's mostly unsupervised. There's a lot of shit going on at home. He starts stealing all kinds of stuff, you know, hubcaps, license plates, metal tags off vehicles, uh, and was arrested in 1957. So he got sent back to juvie. And while he was in juvie... It's reported that he was molested by an adult counselor, and when he was released, he began sexually assaulting his younger brother, but after a short period of time, mom found out, made them sleep in different rooms. Uh, later, Bonin would confess to fondling and, and orally copulating with younger boys and getting naked in the presence of a 10-year-old girl, so we just, you know... We have a myriad of bad and illegal behaviors that are constantly being demonstrated to all of these children, and they are repeating most of these behaviors and what they're experiencing. And again, not an excuse to what happens later in his life, but it's... It's... It's nature and nurture. They're coming together to create this monster. Um... Where did I? I lost my place in my fucking notes. Okay, so even though Bonin hated school, right? Hated school, didn't like being there, was bullied all the time. Uh, he did show an interest and aptitude for math and science. Uh, he got mediocre grades in those classes, but, you know, continued to isolate himself from other people. There is another incident... Sorry, there's another report of an attempted incest incident with one of his older female cousins. So that's a thing. And then in the 1960s, that's math, right? 1957, yep. Uh, mom finally kicks dad out, gets custody of all three kids for a little bit. But then mom and dad reconcile and move everyone to California, um, specifically Torrance, California. And, you know, they're back to their regular habits. All the kids are neglected, you know. Bonin's in high school, still a social outcast, barely interacting with anybody. Um, but his behavior shifted. He was less likely to misbehave. And, you know, he was more generous, according to his younger brother and his mom. Um, so there was that. 
He's also reported to have been been self-conscious of his face, uh, specifically his teeth. So he like rarely smiled because he had misaligned teeth. Uh, in high school, he also picked up the hobby of bowling and really enjoyed that. What in the fuck is that note? I don't know what this says in entirety, but essentially because of bowling, he really liked it. He stayed out late. He slept in class a lot, which resulted in him getting suspended a lot. So when you're suspended, you know, you're missing school. So um, unfortunately, during these teenage years, he developed an obsession with the interest in pedophilia, keeping these feelings a secret. Uh, at some point, though, his mom found out and thought they could be cured because she thought it was mostly like homosexual. She wasn't thinking about the pedophilia age aspect of it. So as a result, mom pressuring him and being like, oh, like we can cure your homosexuality if you just date women. And he was like, okay, I'm going to give it a shot. So he tried to, you know, publicly court and date women. Um, but one time he was rejected and it made his self-esteem worse. And then it made him less likely to interact with any females. And he was like, you know, I just, I don't want to be with them. This one chick like hurt my feelings because she rejected me and I'm never going to let a girl hurt me again. But to keep his mother at bay, he started like dating a 15 year old girl named Linda from high school. Um, to kind of like cover his true behavior and what he's actually doing. Because while he was dating Linda, he ended up luring and molesting several children in his neighborhood. Um, so that's the thing. And then in 1966, you know, he dropped out of high school and got a job with the help of his dad. Also, a poor, blah, blah, blah. reportedly, Bonin's mom knew about these molestations of the neighborhood kids, uh, but she refused to acknowledge that they were happening because she was like, oh, he's dating Linda. He's a good boy now. That's not happening at all. I don't know what you're talking about. Just fucking. Sorry, I need to take a break and take a sip of water because I drink all the coffee. Mm. So, he's dropped out of high school. Started a new job, courtesy of dad. Um, you know, he's molesting young children in his neighborhood. He also is still stealing stuff. So he ended up pleading guilty to a petty theft charge for which he was fined $56. Um, at this time, it's reported he also has escalated antisocial behavior. So between that and the paranoia about being concerned about being arrested for his crimes involving children, he's not really sleeping. So as a result, mom, knowing fully what's going on, not acknowledging it, she starts to pray for him and warn him about the consequences of his actions. <sighs> And so, you know, Bonin's increasingly frustrated. He's like, you know, mom's being mom. I fucking hate it. She's not listening. She's not helping. She's not being supportive. I mean, because obviously, why the fuck would you be supportive of uh, pedophilia? Um, and it just, it made everything worse. And Bonin became increasingly frustrated, which is dumb because bad actions have fucking consequences, usually negative. Um, so it just made his whole... Just made him worse, made him darker, more rotten, just not good. And so eventually mom is like, I'm sick of this. I'm sick of dealing with this. I can't live with this any longer. And she kicks him out. 
Um, and his family is like, you know what? Why don't you go try and join the military? Maybe that'll help straighten you out. So he enlists in the United States Air Force in, in December, I think, of 1966. Excuse me. Um, he decides to propose to Linda because his mother insists on it. My internet. Mom insists on proposing to Linda. No, you're online. Shut the fuck up. Uh, also, because it helped his image of trying to convince his family that he was heterosexual. Um, and he, her mom, his mom, fuck. Mom had hoped that marriage would stop her son's homosexuality. She also hoped his enlistment in the Air Force would keep him more in line, like I said. Um which is obviously not what happened. Uh, he ended up earning his GED and served as a cook initially for the first four months in Alaska. And then in October of 1967, he was arrested for theft, but the case was dropped. And then they moved him to full lower lace base camp where he served five months of active duty in the 205th Assault Support Helicopter Unit during the Vietnam War as an aerial gunner. Holy shit. Logging over 700 hours of combat patrol time. That was a fucking mouthful. Ugh. Okay. Bonin's experiences in Vietnam create some new beliefs in his brain. He started to believe that human life was overvalued and that humans overestimate their own value in society. But despite all of this, he was known to have risked his life under enemy fire to save at least one fellow soldier. Um... I think it's, I mean, technically, fellow airmen, whatever, same, same. Uh, but for this act, he received a medal in recognition for gallantry, among several other medals. And, and during his service, he was known to have had consensual relations with at least one prostitute in Hong Kong. But then he sexually assaulted two of his soldiers under his command at gunpoint. And it was just not good. So overall, Bonin served, I'm sorry, Amelia, overall, Bonin served uh, nearly two years in the Air Force, was honorably discharged uh, at the age of 21. So it just, it, that really did not do what Mama Bonin thought it would do. It, I think, it just contributed to the already terrible state of things. Well, God, I fucking hated writing this. Um, sorry. It's just, this guy, there's a lot, and there's a lot of info and he's not a good person. And it's part of the reason I took such a long break in between the break that I said I would take. It's just not really. And you get to a point where you just are like, it, it, you're just in a state of bafflement for far too long. And you just got to take a break. Anyway, <clears throat> while Bonin was serving his country, Linda, his fiancée, gave birth to their son. And upon Bonin's return, he learned that Linda left him for another man. Um, oh, that's right. They weren't even married yet. So they were just engaged. So she, like, didn't even tell him that she broke off the engagement. She just married somebody else. So, yeah, good for her. Uh, that's probably because when Bonin was writing her letters, he would repeatedly tell her about the recurring nightmare where he would sexually assault a faceless young woman before discarding her corpse in a shallow grave. And then he would tell her he woke up from these nightmares in tears and, and physically trembling because these were, you know, very concerning, disturbing nightmares. 
She obviously decided to find somebody not psychopathic and handled herself and left the situation, so good for her. Uh, as a result, Bonin deemed the marriage a mistake and took it as a great personal failure. And this left him very frustrated because he, again, listened to his mom and it didn't fucking help. So he's pissed. You know, he's back in the U.S., he doesn't have a wife, he doesn't see his son, and he's working as a gas station attendant. So he moves back to Downey, California to live with his parents, again, who he resented because all of the past things, plus they kept asking him for help a lot, and a lot of people started to notice his behavior was different when he got back from Vietnam. Now, I'm fairly sure that that's common for a majority of people who served in Vietnam, it was a very, very disturbing conflict, and a lot of people saw and did things, you know, that would obviously change your life forever. Um, so I don't, I don't really know why they thought he would come back the same, but I guess a lot of people who just don't have experience with people as first responders or military personnel just assume, or they used to assume that people would go and then come back and they would be fine. So, nonetheless, there is more trauma in Bonin's world um, because of that. Oh, okay. How are we doing on time? Fabulous. All right, so how many pages are we at? Four of 17. Fuck. All right. Ugh. I should have waited later in the day to record this episode so I could have had a drink because I will need it after this. Okay, so, shit starts to hit the fan, November 17th, 1968. Bonin sees 14-year-old Billy Jones in Arcadia, California around 9 p.m. He is driving in his mother's white Chevy station wagon. He offers to take the young boy home. Young boy gets in the car. He attempts to get out of the car uh, as Bonin repeatedly asks him about his sexuality and homosexuality. In response to Billy trying to leave the car, Bonin sexually assaults the boy after uh, parking the car. Uh... <clears throat> he yanked him out of the car and then handcuffed him, and after handcuffing the young boy, he choked and sodomized him while threatening his life. Uh, Billy was pleading for his life while he could speak between the choking, and Bonin really didn't like that, so he knocked him unconscious and then left him on the park bench, where, before leaving, threatened to kill him again if he ever told anybody about what happened. Thankfully, Billy managed to get home and went straight to his mom, and they went straight to the police. Um, so, somebody has notified the police about this activity. Now, there are several other assaults that happen, before he's picked up. Okay? So just... Here we go. Um, November 26, 1968, at midnight, Bonin picks up John Treadwell of Torrance, California. He's a hitchhiker. He's 17 years old. You know, uh, Bonin again does the thing... Hello? Oh, okay. Bonin again does the thing where he asks his passenger about his sexuality and how he feels about homosexuality, obviously making the passenger wildly uncomfortable. Um, and, you know, the more agitated his passenger becomes, the more agitated he becomes. 
So he starts to accelerate the vehicle and pulls out a handgun and then parks the car in a secluded area and rapes the young man at gunpoint while threatening to kill him if he ever reported him. Um, Treadwell was then bludgeoned with a tire iron. <clears throat> and then we skip to December 4th of 1968, where it was reported to Torrance police by another 17-year-old, this time Alan Pruitt, that he had been picked up by a man with medium-length hair and an olive complexion. Pruitt said that he was the man was originally polite and offered him a ride, but the man then deviated from the route, handcuffed him, and sexually assaulted him in the vehicle. Um, he said that the individual also asked about, you know, if he knew where the homosexuals in this world were and about homosexuality and just sexuality in general. So we've got, you know, a second report. It's just... And then, but they, so they've got reports of people, but these kids don't know him. So all they have to work off is a description. And if you are in a situation like that and you're, you're scared, you're young, whatever, you're not going to remember a lot of details about the car. So there's not a lot to catch him on quite yet. Um, or maybe you do. I don't really know. I'm just making some assumptions. Uh... January 1st, 1969, Bonin offers a ride to 12-year-old Lawrence Bretman over in Hermosa Beach, California. Ride goes wrong, per his usual MO. The boy asks to get out of the car. Um, Bonin starts to threaten him, then pulls over, forces the boy to orally copulate him. Uh, at gunpoint, robs him, and then threatens to kill him if he ever reports the incident. Uh, a few weeks later, on January 12th, around 9 p.m., Bonin picked up another hitchhiker, 18-year-old Jesus Mange, following his typical pattern of asking uncomfortable questions, asking about homosexuality. This time, he offered his passenger $20 to orally copulate him. Jesus refused to try to get out of the car, was then punched in the chest, and Bonin squeezed his genitals, handcuffed him, and then forced him to orally copulate him. Um... The victim reported that Bonin threatened, I'll rip your nuts off if we don't cool it. Uh, unfortunately, this victim was also sodomized. <clears throat> so, as I've said, you know, we've got a few victims. Many of them have reported this to police. And now there are extensive efforts by local police in these areas of Torrance and Hermosa Beach to try to figure out what the fuck is going on and who the fuck this perpetrator is. Um, thankfully, the victims provided really good descriptions of Bonin. Um, and so on January 28th at 2.30 a.m., El Segundo police woman was able to confront him after he had scared a 16-year-old boy. Um, just ran right into the cop, I guess. So she stated that Bonin appeared frantic and she recognized that his profile was super similar to the guy that they were trying to found, find. So she put two and two together, scared 16-year-old boy running away from the sky, this guy looks fucking sketchy as all hell, and he matches the sketch that we have. Nope, you're done. So she searched him, found handcuffs. He was arrested. Uh, he ended up being indicted on five counts of kidnapping, four counts of sodomy, and one count of oral copulation, as well as one count of child molestation. Holy hell. <clears throat> so uh, he's been arrested, okay? But now they want to evaluate him. So on March 1969, he's evaluated by several psychologists and psychiatrists who determined that he 
was a sexual psychopath with little control over his impulses, as well as having depression and inappropriate emotional responses. <sighs> Just like, okay. Uh, <clears throat> During these evaluations, he initially denied early childhood abuse, but then would later confess to being fondled at the age of eight years old. And, you know, talking about several of the times he was molested between the ages of 9 and 12. Um, he also told his probation officer about his recent stressful separation and admitted guilt in molesting those men. Uh, but he also expressed desire to start a family and become a pilot upon his release. He also said, you know, during his time in Vietnam, combined with his criminal behavior, uh, he had difficulty seducing female partners. And since he's been back from Vietnam, uh, you know, oh, I see what he did there. Hang on. <clears throat> he was trying to say that because he couldn't attract any female partners, it contributed to his criminal behavior in Vietnam and when he got back to the U.S. Um, so that was kind of something he was trying to blame on women, I guess. Uh <sighs> The psychiatrist said in their final evaluations that he, you know, seriously lacked insight and responsibility for the crimes committed since childhood. Uh, he ended up pleading guilty towards several of the charges and was sentenced to Atascadero State Hospital in June 1969, a place for mentally disordered sex offenders where he was supposed to get treatment. <clears throat> <clears throat> Bonin was received at the state hospital on June 17th, where he was subjected to lots more psychiatric uh, examinations. Uh, the findings are as follows. He had a higher than average IQ, report state of like 121. Uh, they also state that he displayed, where did it go? Traits of manic depression, uh, sexual sadism disorder, and antisocial personality disorder. And while they couldn't find any significant brain anomalies or brain damage, they did see that there were a lot of scars on Bonin's head and butt, like I said, potentially from the Catholic Covenant that he and his brother stayed at for a few years. Um, but he said, you know, he has no idea how he got them, so there's that. Bonin had a lot of repressed memories and was severely abused as a child. They also noted that this contributed to the unhealthy relationship with his mom and how he remained emotionally dependent on her despite her low opinion of him, considering she often said he was a worthless human being. <clears throat> Such a nice mom. <clears throat> While at the state hospital, he attended regular group therapy sessions. Um, and during the sessions, the psychiatrist noted that he was often defensive and aggressive toward other patients and refused to acknowledge his homosexuality uh, during group. Excuse me. He often would divulge his intentions to eliminate any future victims of his sexual assaults if he deemed necessary and therefore was classified as an extreme psychopath. Uh, with a higher rate of recidivism. Recidivism, that word that I can't say right now, but it's it's how likely they are to repeat, be a repeat offender. Um, 
Yeah, see, I couldn't even see it while I was reading these notes. But the psychiatrist noted that he had a really disturbed and skewed way of interacting socially with other people, and so they viewed the group therapy as um, impacting his treatment negatively. What the fuck does that mean? Mm. <clears throat> Bonin volunteered and participated in lots of experimental programs, and most of the staff considered him nonviolent, helpful, and conscientious because he was super manipulative. Um, just like my next note says, he would try to manipulate the psychiatrist into granting him early release by trying to tell them what he thought they wanted to hear. As a result, one of his therapists wrote that Bonin wanted to straighten himself out, but doesn't know how to go about it. Like, just... Mm! <clears throat> July 7th in... Math. 1971. Uh, Bonin was then sent to the California Medical Facility, where he was declared unsuitable to continue treatment at Ask at Attic's motherfucker, that treatment facility, I'm having a weird day, um, he was deemed unsuitable because he was engaging in sexual activity with some of the inmates, two of which being mentally challenged. Um, so he's been moved to a different facility. While he's at this different facility, psychiatrists noted that bond and sexual behavior were compulsive and often a response to stress. And... In June of 11, 1970, June of 11, June 11th of 1974, for some reason, he was declared no longer a danger to the health or safety of others. Which is like, I would like to know how you came to that criteria. How many people evaluated him? Did you get people to agree with you? Did you notify the victim's families? Because this is where you fucked up. Mm. Uh, sorry. You all know how I feel about being released early. It's a fucking crock of shit. And they always end up fucking reoffending. And most times, people get hurt or die. Or both. Fucking idiots. Oh, but you know what? It's California. So it makes all the fucking sense in the world. <sighs> okay. Sorry. Uh, after Bonin's release, he rented an apartment out in Hollywood with the intention of trying to navigate the gay social scene, but became overwhelmed with his poor social skills. So he moved back home to live with his parents back in down in California, um, where he briefly worked as a bartender, but then became a truck driver, but was fired after wrecking a truck in February of 1975. Uh, after that, he tried to go back to school. So he went to community college. Um, so he, you know, did a good job of staying on the straight and narrow for a bit, but it didn't last long. So we're about seven pages in of my 17 pages of notes, and my voice needs a break. So we're going to cut this off as the first part of the William Bonin case files. That makes no sense. Case of the Highway Killer series. Uh, in the next episode, I'll get through as much as I can before I start to lose my voice again. Um, it doesn't get better in the next episode, so just keep that in your brain. Um, 
And uh, until you hear my voice next week, thank you for listening to the Creepy Cryptid Crypt. I am your host, Black Widow, and I'm going to go stop talking so I don't lose my voice anymore. Okay, thanks. Bye.